0: Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process.
1: We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, everybody. My name is Mark.
0: Abideb, as Jessica. Nice
1: Jess. You sound much better than last week. <laughs> I had to do <laughs> it. And Phil's back with <laughs> Yay. us. What's up, everybody? We're just on a one name Phil now. We're there. That's right. We're we here. made
0: it. How does it feel?
2: Uh, feels great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to be called by your name? <laughs> <Just>
1: pretty normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we are all collectively a little bit tired. I had a long exercise day yesterday. Mm. Phil.
2: Wait, hold on. You got to tell people what is long. Because here's the thing. Yeah. Okay. When someone hears long exercise day, they think like, Oh, this is like, what'd you do? Like a long workout? No. Mark yesterday swam a mile, I did. which, wild. That feels like a joke, first of all. <laughs> and then yeah. after that, went and played basketball. And then he didn't die. So that's He's still alive. Honestly, dude, incredible job.
1: Thank well you. Well done. And almost as incredible, you and Alyssa were up past 9, 8, 9 p.m. last oh night with gosh. some friends. Oh, we had an amazing
2: couple over for dinner. Like, they were so fun. And we were just like, talking and they're in their 20s you know like i i remember faintly what that felt like and <laughs> you know it's like 11 something they're like would you normally be in bed right now like, yeah i'd be normally like two hours into sleeping right now. i'm old <laughs> this is rem cycle yeah, yeah for real so i get up normally in a couple hours but uh it was awesome so yeah the the alarm hit different this yes. morning for sure yep
1: and then jess is recovering from something and was her first day back on the peloton bike this morning yeah let's go it was good who was your instructor today?
0: Today was Bradley Rose. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Gets me motivated. Beautiful Bradley. Beautiful Bradley. Yeah. Love it. He's has uh, got a nice British accent mm. and he just, you know, looks into my soul and yep. tells me to ride faster. And I yeah. do. And good job, Bradley. If
2: you're <laughs> friend of the show. Friend Bradley of the thanks for the show. <laughs> friend of the, <laughs> of the this podcast. Week. Uh-huh. Sponsored by Bradley. Sponsored by Bradley <laughs> Peloton Rose. Peloton and Yeah. Peloton might need some sponsorship. They yeah. are struggling. Yeah, so. I've heard that. Yeah. If you're Oof. thinking about an exercise bike, are they it feels like a kind of company that would be based out of Silicon Valley. Where is it actually from? I want to say New York. I was going to say. It might I
0: think be. it is. It's New York. They have a yeah. New York and a London studio. Okay. Right. There's a studio um, over here
1: too. In uh, well, that's where they like broadcast Stanford. from. But oh, yeah. yeah, in Stanford they do. Do they broadcast from Stanford?
0: I don't think so. Dang. I don't. Is it even? I don't even know if it, I think it's just a store. Oh, it's not like even you can like just a, buy their apparel. Okay. I think. Yeah, I could Yeah, be yeah. Wrong. we're talking about at Stanford shopping. Center? Yeah. yeah, that's just a store. Yeah. I've always thought, like, besides the whole like workout part of it, I'd be a really good Peloton instructor <laughs> because of like, <laughs> That's like ninety percent, just, just, <laughs> just the motivation like, yeah, and just the playlist. Standing next
2: to the bike <laughs> with an iPad controlling music. Get on, like, come on, guys, let's is, go. Yep. Every now and then, you just pick up your coffee, and take a sip. Like you guys are doing great. Exactly. I feel like I
0: would crush it with a playlist, like the Mm -hmm. themes. Mm -hmm. That would be so fun for me. Yeah. You
1: do make great playlists. And then
0: the exciting, the energy and I could do that. That's good. (laughs) Maybe they need some regular people. Sometimes they have
2: the person that's doing the class and then they have like a DJ
1: next to the person. Oh, there you go.
0: You could be the DJ. Okay. I could be the DJ. Mm -hmm.
1: I could see you doing that. (laughs) It's good. Like we'll make it, it happen. Yep. All right. Here's our pitch.
0: Menlo.peloton.
1: Menlo.peloton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. It's super exciting because this, I feel like when we moved into Lent season, I f- am fasting from social media. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's doing and air entertainment quotes
0: for some reason. I don't know why I did that. <laughs>
1: okay, that, Thanks for telling people because it it cre- it's an audio
0: form. Note for the yeah. audio. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. But it created a lot of margin in which I can insert things like long workouts mm-hmm. or yeah. stuff like that. And so I'm... Curious, have you been fasting from things and what things have you put in place? And are those the things that you originally intended on putting in place? Or is it just Mm -hmm. something that kind of crept in?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh some of the rhythms that I've intentionally changed in this season have given me uh some margin that I wouldn't have otherwise had. Mm -hmm. So uh that's been really helpful. And some of that is like I can always choose in my season of life to put in like another home project or another, you know, thing with our kids or something else to take care of around the house. But um, yeah, so, some of the things that I've intentionally taken away and then injected in like usually times of solitude uh, outside. It happened yesterday afternoon. It was like just super, super life-giving. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Mark, like I would have never had that time otherwise. Mm-hmm. I would never had that time otherwise. And it was extremely helpful, so nice. yeah.
0: yeah i um removed the amazon app from my home screen so i did too yeah so i still have it because i buy stuff here and there for like work and birthdays and stuff like that um it hasn't like freed up space but it definitely freed up my credit cards i'll tell you that like i've already paid off one of them your credit
1: Um, cards are fasting
0: my credit cards are fasting (laughs) um but i was thinking about it yesterday too because i was like I would be, I would get in like a bad mood. And I, that was my mm. like, mm-hmm. you know, replacement. My mm-hmm. serotonin would come from shopping for random stuff on Amazon, buying random stuff for my dog that he doesn't need anything else. <laughs> um, and so it's been kind of nice of like, there's been a couple of times where I'm like, oh, I could use it. And like, sometimes I'll still go on the app and I'll just put it in my cart, but I haven't bought anything random. And it's been really nice and really like, I'm like, okay, I think I need to do this longer than just 40 days, (laughs) get all my debts down. But it's been really good. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I still have, I still even have the Target app on my home screen, but I haven't used it to like Mm. buy anything Mm. dumb, not dumb, but things I want and not need. Yeah. That's That's great. That's really good. Yeah.
1: I feel like I need to take that step too because similar to you, I would also try to buy things off Amazon or any other places so I would feel happier instead yeah. of wanting to go on Instagram. And yeah. so I found myself on the couch oh. on Friday sitting there like, okay, can't be on Instagram or on YouTube. I could pick up this book or I can do some shopping. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what I chose? So
0: you can't do YouTube either. No. So you can't watch your Pond videos?
1: I can't. I don't know. Right. Hopefully it's still there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, you're the only viewer, so they're just gonna stop. There's millions
1: that. of people that watch these no, things. I'm yeah, it
0: honestly sounds super satisfying to like watch them. It
2: is very like, satisfying. And think of how fun it's gonna be when you get to like catch up on it. I know
1: it's gonna be great. Just gonna go into a dark hole and just binge all this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. YouTube and come out mm-hmm. stinky and hungry. Ew, gross. Yeah, <laughs> great visual there. Um, uh-huh. Well, Phil, we're in week three of Last Words. Woo. We're doing it. Can you give a short summary for the people that might have missed it? And then we'll jump in from there. Sure. Yeah. So we were, you know, we're continuing on in Jesus'
2: last words from the cross. And so we were in uh, Luke 23, where Jesus is hanging on the cross and the uh, two thieves on either side of him are having sort of, they're joining in with the crowd. And then eventually one of them is like, wait a second, what are we doing? And he eventually asks Jesus, to remember him. He doesn't even say save me, which is somebody texted me and they were like, it's interesting the difference between the rich young ruler and the way that, uh, that, that person questions Jesus. What do I have to do to be saved? Um, sort of assuming a lot. And then the, the thief on the cross saying, just remember me when you're in your Mm paradise, in your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so, uh, we talked about how Uh, the cross defeats our self-deceit, that whether we think we're so prideful that we don't need all of what Jesus did, uh, or maybe we're kind of wallowing so much that we think we don't qualify for any of it, and sort of the underpinning that we see in this particular story um, of what repentance looks like and what it can look like for us to experience not just paradise someday, but this abundant life that Jesus promises today, that there's a sense of that paradise that Jesus was promising, um, that actually is not waiting for
1: us in eternity. It's waiting for mm-hmm. us in today. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I've noticed that you've done this, I think almost every message so far, but you will start your message with a prayer mm-hmm. and that prayer will be kneeling. Uh huh. I'd love to ask you about that. How did that come about? Why do you continue to bring that into each message and why is it mm-hmm. important? Yeah, so I do that every time I teach. Uh, I've been doing it for decades. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and... Yeah, I think when I was young, probably the reason was a little different. I started teaching, I started preaching when I was, on Sunday mornings when I was 16, um, which was wildly irresponsible. Shout out, First Baptist Church of Aurora, Ohio. <laughs> um, uh, it, it was. I mean, I felt, I felt so cared for and invested in. And I think part of it was, I was looking out at a room of people, all of which had greater life experience than me. I, had nothing to say to them. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times the way I would explain it was if you're wondering Mm -hmm. what, what does this person have to teach me? I would say nothing, but we both have something we can learn from the Mm -hmm. Bible. Let's learn it together. And so I just Mm -hmm. started to try and clarify that early on in ministry. And then over time, the kneeling component was like, that wasn't always necessarily true anymore, you know, and um, just being able to say, hey, this is not the sage on the stage, you are not submitting to me, we are submitting together to God. And uh, and I think uh, that posture of submission, I hope that what gets modeled on a stage or in front of a camera or on a screen, uh, that that's just a reminder for all of us to say, you know what, God gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud. And so we say, God, we want to learn, we want to grow. James 1 says that if we lack wisdom, we should ask for it, and he will give with generosity. And so I want to be in the the slipstream of that. I want our church to be in the slipstream of that. And so I do that regularly. And I think in our moment, part of why I do it too is people are so skeptical of faith and church and church leaders. And I hope that people like whether it's our staff team or close friends would say, Hey, the version of Phil that you see with a microphone on it's the same Phil, like Mm -hmm. it's not a different person. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of, How do I honestly and openly communicate who I am on stage so that if somebody goes, oh, there's that guy that thinks he has it all figured out, Mm -hmm. they realize pretty quickly, like, oh, he needs some help, too. And that's just one more way to express that. So it's multifaceted. And when people usually at some point people will go, hey, you don't have to explain that anymore because I will explain it every time Mm -hmm. Um, we understand. And I say it's not for the we, it's for the they. Yeah. Uh, for the folks that are in the room that have never been, for the people that have given up on God or feel like he's given up on them, for the people that are skeptical in their their faith or spirituality. Um so yeah, I'll I'll keep explaining it until the Lord takes away the breath mm-hmm. to do it. So
0: yeah. I feel like it's so <clears throat> even more relevant nowadays too with like Christian celebrity culture and how that has come about and how I hadn't noticed. It's so easy to <laughs> like, you know, if you've been at Menlo a couple of years, you know how easy it is to like put your Faith in the leader. And so I think you come in with that approach of like humbling yourself and like, this isn't about me. Right. Uh, it was really great. Yeah. Well, so that's, I that. mean,
2: the goal, right, is that uh, at Menlo, we want to f- figure out what it looks like to be a church where the community continues to be uh, the aspect of what makes Menlo, Menlo, mm-hmm. right? That it's way bigger than the pastor as the product or a celebrity culture deal. And uh, I hope that what we're able to do together. Uh, doesn't just help Menlo, doesn't just help the Bay Area and beyond, but it like helps the church in the West to be able to see some examples of mm. hey, this, it, yeah, I know this is the way that sort of the biggest quote unquote brands in church world do this, but it doesn't have to be that way. And so, uh, yeah, let's, let's see what that can look like and be like. And yeah. they're the team here is incredible. And so, th- this is so much more than about me. God help us if it ever gets to that.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: mm-hmm. and I think that thinking leads into your, your first point that the cross defeats the self-deceit when we think of things maybe the wrong way or approach it from the wrong lens or wrong perspective. So I really appreciated that you started with that. How'd you come to the self-deceit portion?
2: Yeah. So I I think that, you know, I'm always trying, there's, um, there's one term that's very uh, common in, in kind of scholarly world, which is uh, exegesis, which is mm-hmm. we want to lead out from the text, and that's always my intent. Uh, the the temptation as a communicator is eisegesis, where y- you've heard it before, I guarantee it, if you've heard sermons, um, where it's like, oh, I have an idea and I want this to be my idea, and I'm going to take this idea and I'm going to jam it into this passage, whether mm-hmm. it fits or not. Um, and so I think that's uh, for me, like, really from the text of this was you had two thieves that minutes earlier were mocking Jesus even though like it was literally uh accelerating their death to do it like they were they were asphyxi they were facing asphyxiation just like Jesus was and every one of these breaths and every time they spoke uh in this level of pain that would normally cause shock um i mean what level of crazy self deceit and then this one kind of in a moment i think just seeing the sadness and compassion of jesus and then hearing the prayer we talked about last week of father forgive them for they know not what they're doing at one point the one thief is like hey like he goes to he says to the other thief like what are you doing man like Mm. why are you mocking him we're up here because we deserve it Mm. like he's uh, he hasn't done anything wrong Mm. and then he looks at jesus and like i think those are the moments that feel uh most powerful right like jesus just cracks into his heart, you know, and, uh, there's this place for him where he's, we think that this guy's like a boy scout, but he was a violent thief and, uh, he's, he was violent enough that he was on the cross being executed for it. And, uh, Jesus had compassion and love for him. And, uh, I, I just think that all of us need that, right. Whether we're the mocking, you know, I'm beyond this or the, uh, you know, really wallowing, level of uh, i couldn't possibly deserve this uh the amazing part is that the foot of the cross is even for both and so i think wherever people find themselves that's still the case today
1: it's interesting that the same themes then ring true now mm-hmm. like i as you were speaking i was asking myself which which other person would i have been and i feel like it maybe almost daily I flip flop to both sides and it is, it was really challenging Mm. thinking through that lens and thinking through the amount of effort that it would have taken the pain that that conversation had within it. I had never thought of it through that lens before. Yeah. Super interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think scripture, we always want to make ourselves the hero, right? Like when we read,
0: Hmm. um,
2: interesting whatever, David and Goliath, you know, you go, I'm David. And it's like, actually, I think you're probably the scared Israelites in the tent, you know? Um, (laughs) And so I think when you read a story like this, it's easy, especially for Christians over the last few years. And maybe if you're a part of Menlo over the last few years, it's easy to feel like, oh man, we've just been hanging on a cross. We're basically Jesus. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, actually I think Jesus is Jesus. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think for us figuring out this kind of cast of characters over the course of these weeks that we are introducing folks to to go, you know, there are days that I am uh, the person on the other side mocking Jesus. Maybe I'm not like saying it with my words, but with my life, I am, you know. And maybe I'm the other one, kind of finally coming to grips with how heavy everything feels. And you go, God, I, I don't know how I do this without you. I don't even know what I can legitimately ask you. I've fallen short so many times. Would you just remember? Like, what a crazy lot. Like, yeah. just would you just remember me? Um, uh you know, and then I think sometimes we're, we're trying to get the scraps, you know, like that's a tough, that's a tough one to think about it. The, uh, the guards at the foot of the cross last week that are casting lots for Jesus' possessions. And so like Jesus is right above them, but they just want Jesus' stuff. And so how often as, as a follower of Jesus, do I want what Jesus can do for me, hmm. but I'm missing Jesus in the process of getting his stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think there's lots of that introspective opportunity Mm -hmm. throughout the cross experience Mm -hmm.
1: so did you have any moments as you were preparing for this message where you really had to wrestle through anything or what you wanted to say or include um yeah so
2: i mean we were gone last week for a staff retreat and so uh normally most of my prep happens on mondays uh, and I had like the framework and the textual work done and stuff, but I really didn't write this message till Thursday, mm-hmm. which is very late in the week for me, like <laughs> very uncomfortably late in the week for me. And so uh, I think that there were uh, there were plenty of things where I was like, I would have loved to have um, dug in a little bit more, especially there's a, a lot of great work, uh, that's done from a scholarly perspective on the first thief, um, and sort of wow. how he's tying into the accus- the the accusations of the week before that. I just I just couldn't really dig into, um, but you know, as you're working on it, you can, for me anyway. I'm always kind of pinning things like, hey, go back to this, go back to that, and then at the same time, I'm building a talk. And so then when I'm done building my initial talk, I know how much room I have to go. And it's like, well, I, I can't, this is going to have to, I can't, I can't, I can't. So um, yeah, I, I think that the, we spent some time uh, referencing Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I quoted from that a little bit, but I think that like this whole cross experience, it sort of demands that you bring your whole self to Jesus. Like there, this idea that, I'm going to have a version of myself that's really bought in and a version of myself that's really honest. But then there's this like shadow side of me that I know I'm not doing what God wants me to do, that I know I'm running far from God, that I know is in a deep, dark place that's not going to go anywhere that's healthier, right? Um, and I think this sort of Western bifurcation of our faith, it's just so easy to get there. And so uh, I think that there's probably... There was some good introspection for me. Like somebody in my life, I had texted uh, who's got experience, uh, kind of leading a church like Menlo and stuff. And I just said, "Hey, can we talk about what are your rhythms for mm-hmm. like doing this in a healthy way? Because mm-hmm. this week I am stripping some screws. Like mm-hmm. I just feel it. Uh, and so I think I'm most of the time I'm preaching to myself, just like anybody else. I, hopefully, I've preached it to myself before anybody else. Um, but I think that was one where if if it was another 10 minutes to be able to go like hey let's let's spend some time right now actually exploring our shadow side if you are the one mocking jesus maybe you're not uh, throwing barbs but like what is it in your life that is mocking jesus mm-hmm. you know we go over to paul in the book of galatians and he says god is not mocked what you reap you sow and i think most of us as christians we we can pretty easily slip into this pretty cheap grace version where it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't really need to have integrity. Like, it doesn't matter that much. And I I will say often, um, if we can sin without consequence or conviction, we should be concerned. Um, And that's not Mm -hmm. to say, like, God's mad at us. I don't think God's mad at us. I just think he's going, like, I love you so much. I want you to experience this abundant life with me. And that happens when we're abiding, when you're abiding in me, when we're staying connected, and when you let me shine light into areas of your life because every sin, right, is just an unhealthy an unhealthy meeting of a legitimate desire. That's some quote from someone, not me. Um, but I think like we forget that. And so that idea of like, I'm going to go shop on Amazon because I can't go on social media. There's There's something underneath that, right? Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes this unhealthy coping stuff of the sort of doom scrolling whether it's an amazon or instagram or youtube um or netflix binging like those are those are just how do i just numb out Mm because i don't want to deal with what the deeper longing is Mm -hmm. and i think the pursuit of jesus is an invitation with one another and with him to that actual deeper longing
0: yeah You said uh, one thing. I wrote down. uh, He wants to meet you in the deepest places of pain, hurt, and loss. Yeah, and I know for me that is something I've had to like work on, especially through therapy of being an Enneagram Seven and just my personality of being like, you know, silver lining and Mm -hmm. yeah. But have you looked at it this way? And it's so easy to just gloss over that and not dig into that. And I've found that when I really feel those negative emotions, those hard things that are actually going on in my life, I feel more connected to God. I feel closer to Him. And just this last week, going through a really hard time and I just we had an opportunity to worship at our staff retreat. And I just like like I was just crying because mm. I felt Jesus in that room. And like <laughs> when I worship sometimes too, I was thinking about this. I want to, like jump out of my skin. Like there's something in me that's like, how do I worship harder and more and better and get mm. closer to Jesus? If you ever watch me worship, I'm mm. like hands in the air, dancing like crazy. But anyways, all that to say, mm. I think when we actually allow ourselves to feel those feelings, that it draws us closer to God and it like connects us in a new and a deeper way and it was just, I really appreciated you saying that.
2: Yeah, well, and I think that, um, I think it's a Brene Brown quote where she talks about sometimes when we're scared of something in our life, some attribute, some quality, and we go, I'm gonna turn that down. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna turn that part of myself down. Mm-hmm. We'd lie to ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, this self-deceit um, where and there's a book called uh, Leadership and Self-Deceit. It's written by an institute, not an individual. It's not a Christian book, um, but it's it's a really helpful kind of leadership fable about how easy it is for us to be deceived. Um, but Brene Brown says basically, like, hey, if you think you're turning ten percent of that part of you down, what you don't realize is you're turning ten percent of all of you down. Mm. That's so helpful for yeah. me. Uh, I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma, and so there was I was so scared, uh, that, really like, candidly, that I would be like my dad. I was so mm. scared that anger and rage would become really awful and i'm not my dad but no one had ever like said that to me necessarily or spoken that to me and so as a parent um before like before my dad died before i had really done any kind of work around that um i found myself like i was probably 20 percent turned down everywhere Mm. so like i just was not showing up as a present parent or husband uh because i was so afraid of like i don't want to become my dad yeah and I think understanding, like, no, no, we, we want to experience all of who we are. God wants us to experience all of who we are. And then when there are tough parts of us that need to get sanded down, that need to get worked on, that need to get shaped, that need to get refined, let God do that. Mm-hmm. But the goal shouldn't be, like, how do I just live in this sort of safe cocoon? Um, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate that perspective. I think that you, um, yeah, like, it, 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 and this is not, like, a secret But at Menlo right now, uh, for our central staff, we're going through a restructure, and this is part of what we are having to do these first few months together. And it's hard and difficult and painful. And same thing for me. Like I, I went to that worship night, and kind of all day, I'd spent time with folks, just trying to talk and process. And I didn't have all the answers. And um, you know, folks kind of went and had some free time, and I stayed back so that anybody that wanted to have a conversation could. And I got up from that worship time, and I'm not like a crier usually, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a big surprise, uh, but mm-hmm. I like sat down, I, I got up at the end of that worship time, and I just felt like the Lord was like, sit down. Mm-hmm. And I sat down, and I mean, I just wept. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I just, yeah, to be able to feel the Lord in that moment, mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like there's this this capacity in my own soul that in moments like that, God is just like with an ice cream scoop, through the pain of it kind of carving. Yeah that capacity to be bigger and in the moment Mm -hmm. it feels like bigger hurt bigger pain but that capacity is actually there now for lots of other stuff Mm -hmm. right but i think when we avoid the hard stuff what's that line the ones that god often uses great or the ones that god uses the most are often those he has hurt the greatest or allowed to be hurt the Mm -hmm. greatest you know and so we run from pain but oftentimes i think our greater purpose is on the other side of our deepest pain only when we are actually willing to bring that Mm -hmm. with people and bring that to the Mm -hmm. lord
1: so. How would you recommend for our friends that are listening that are like, okay, I'm there. I, I know that there's parts of me. I know now I can recognize maybe some unhealthy habits. How do I allow God to enter into those spaces? Yeah.
2: Well, if you've not read the book, emotionally healthy spirituality, go get it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't afford it and you need it, send me an email. Pu bank at menlo.church, I'll buy it for you. Um, I just think that that work is so profoundly important, and it is so easy for us to go, look, my spiritual journey is just more information, more information, more information, Um, which is is weird, right? Because the Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Um, And Hmm. so, like, it can't just be more information. Uh, So it's just a really healthy book, I think, in terms of how do we incorporate uh, some normal expression of our emotions. Uh, and then I think g- coinciding with that or maybe subsequently, if you've never seen a therapist or a counselor, if you've never had spiritual direction, um, I'm just telling you it will it will change your life. Mm-hmm. It will change your life. And so um, you know if you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're like, I've never needed it before, I would just say maybe maybe now is the time that the Lord's gonna call you into that that, that level of what it means to follow him. Um and maybe for you, you're somebody that's like I've only been following Jesus for a really short time. The uh, I, I would give up a lot to, to be able to incorporate counseling and spiritual direction into my life as a teenager. Like if I could mm, roll yeah. the clock back, the amount of unintended damage that yeah. I caused myself because of decisions that I made from legitimate needs through illegitimate per- means. Um, uh, I, I think I yeah I would just inc- So step one. Go grab that book, Peace Cazero, friend of the show. Great, great guy. Uh, I actually have interacted with Pete. He's amazing. Um, (laughs) And then, um, uh, yeah, whatever that next step is for you will probably include. It might be just engaging more deeply and meaningfully with your community at Menlo. That might mean a counselor spiritual director. But whatever that next step is to bring that learning into relationship, don't just Mm -hmm. let it live in your head.
0: Yeah, I was gonna suggest therapy too. If you go to Menlo.church slash care, mm-hmm. we have a lot of resources for you. You can contact um, we have someone who will help you find a therapist. There's tons of online ones you can do as well. Um, and I think one thing that's helped me is and if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know this about me, that I don't like to sit still in silence or even, you know, without distraction. And so in times like this, i put on worship music. Mm-hmm. And I'll just like either go for a walk or sometimes just like sit in my room and just feel. I know that might be like, what does that even mean? I don't know how to describe it except feel. Like if a thought comes into your mind and you're like, I'm really mad at my mom, Mm. keep talking about that in your mind. Like, okay, I'm mad at my mom because of this and then this and then just keep digging into that and see like kind of where it goes and a lot of times for me just acknowledging that emotion is so freeing it's like oh yeah i have been really mad i have been really sad i have been really whatever um and i'd also recommend the feelings chart you can yeah, google yeah. this and find this anywhere that has been so helpful for me too cuz i would just say things like i'm super frustrated at that and my therapist was like Nope, find another word, and we'd look at the chart and be like, "Oh, I'm actually this, this, and this all combined at once." So I think you just Google feelings chart and it'll yeah, pop yeah. up.
2: That's in Schizero's book as well. This like challenge of what happens when we displace feelings for one thing for something mm-hmm. else, right? And uh, in um, psychology world, sometimes it gets used as the term transference,
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: where and this happens for me all the time where Somebody's mad at an experience they've had in church, and I become a stand-in yeah. as the pastor they're interacting yep. with today mm-hmm. for the hurt that they had from a pastor yesterday. And I could stand there and be like, "Hey, I'm not that person." Get mm-hmm. it? Like, but <laughs> or I could say, "You know what? Maybe I'm not, but like, I'm really sorry that you experienced that." Yeah. Like, uh, anytime I talk about really controversial issues, uh, especially as it relates to human sexuality. I will always sort of apologize for the way that the church capital C mm. uh, has has had these conversations in the past because oftentimes it's in an extreme, right? It's either completely abandoning orthodoxy for the sake of making of releasing any tension in the conversation or it's like just absolutely destructive as though people that this affects don't exist, dehumanizing people. It's like, man, I'm so sorry Mm. that that's like, for some of you, you walked in and you're just sort of gearing up to be disappointed. And I'm really sorry that that's how this has been handled. And so um, I think if you're in a position of authority, just understanding that lots of people that come up to you and are mad, don't don't instantly internalize that and personalize that because it actually may have nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And you can be a part of God's redemptive work by just being willing to be
1: empathetic and gracious with that person.
0: Yeah,
1: I've got two questions that are semi-theological, actually mostly theological. And so one is looking at this picture that you painted through the lens of a skeptic. And you met, you actually answered this in your message, but I think it was really important for those that might encounter this this question in the future to hear, is if God is God and he's up there, why didn't he just save himself? Sure. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, and,
2: and we have to acknowledge the fact that God could have. Yes. Um, yeah, I was listening to a podcast called Theology in the Raw by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. um, That feels like a fake name. I know it totally does. (laughs) It totally does. And he, uh, really tries to care for the LGBTQ conversation with like, nuance and kindness and biblical orthodoxy all at the same time. He's a really he's he's a gift actually. But his name is kind of hilarious. Um but he was having a conversation with someone and they were talking about um uh like the possibility of aliens, which was wild. Hmm. Uh and and they were talking about how, you know, sometimes Christians freak out about the idea that aliens could exist or whatever. And it was like, well, God could have a redemptive plan for aliens. Like, sure. you know, God's big, like he's he's everywhere <laughs> all the time. And uh and so I do think we have to sometimes in in church world we get into this place where it's like, well, God had to do it. If there was any other way, uh, then that's the way that they would have done it. Well, to a certain extent that's true, uh, because Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane said, God, um, can we do another way? Yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. nevertheless, not my will be but yours. Uh and There was no other way. So it's the way that God chose to do it, but he's God. He could have delivered a perfect sacrifice. Uh, There there are literally infinite ways that an infinite God could have done this. Mm -hmm. This is the way God chose to do this. And so um, I think the beauty of it, uh, the theological term is uh, penal substitutionary atonement. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, if you're yeah, really yeah. interested. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of break it down. So penal, you know, like our penalty, substitution, we are uh, basically like be his righteousness is being substituted for our guilt um, and atonement. Like our sins are not just being uh, sort of like forgotten about. They are being atoned for. So there's lots of work that's been done into that construct if it's helpful. Um but I, yeah, I think I said a phrase. I think this weekend something like um, uh, people felt like uh, if Jesus couldn't save himself, how could he save anybody else? Mm-hmm. But the like upside down kingdom reality was it was because Jesus chose not to save himself that he could save everyone else. Yep. 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 And yep, yep. Uh, and I think like yeah, I just think that says something about the character and nature of God. That when you talk about, I'm the same way. Like I, my my inner dialogue is very noisy, mm-hmm. and so to your point, just to be able to sit down and go, all right, Lord, I'm going to slow down. For me, walking is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Running is kind of the next best that I can get. And being able to hit pause, being able to just listen to music, being able to as uncomfortable as is listen to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think sometimes that can let the Lord bring stuff up in our mind. And, and I think that um, sometimes we get really weird about that and we're like, the Lord spoke to me, and maybe the Lord did. I think sometimes the Lord just The sanctifying work that God's doing in our heart and soul. There's something that God wants to bring to our attention, but we're just all living in these like digital subways all the time, you know, and just there's just noise everywhere, trains all the time, stuff happening every second of every day. And so I think that the more we can create rhythms for me, it's early in the morning, rhythms where we have um, non anxious, undistracted time where the Lord can speak to us, something can be brought to our attention, we can just go. I think that we get to see and sense this loving character of God. That God is not disappointed in
1: you. He's not angry with you,
2: even if there are things in your life that you know are not the way God would have for you. He's compassionate. Like he, even even when there's things in your life that are consequences or conviction for sin that you know is true in your life, God's bringing all that to you as a loving parent because He wants relationship, not retribution. And so, um, yeah, like I. Uh, yeah, I, I really, yeah, I, I think there's a
1: lot of people that walk out their faith in Jesus largely driven by duty, and I think mm. that's a mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second part of, of my question, still in that same framework, maybe, okay, I'm on board with that, but maybe I grew up thinking, man, Jesus had to do this. It was his one purpose. He was sent here to do this, but uh, I think you, you said something along the lines of, he didn't have to die, but he wanted to. can you help me understand mm,
2: that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you think about the entire construct, so I'm like, I'm Reformed theologically, uh, which means um, this is probably a whole podcast episode, but Mm -hmm. there's by and large two spectrums that shows up a lot, or two ends of the spectrum. It shows up a lot in um, a category of theology called soteriology or the, the theology of how God saves. One side is like full human responsibility. It's called Arminianism. Um, so free will, all Mm -hmm. that stuff, the extremes of it is something called open theism where God actually only knows the knowable because for him to know your individual choices is actually for him to control them. Um, and then on the other side, you have uh, Calvinism, which is sort of a subset of reformed theology at sometimes a manipulation or distortion of reformed theology. But at the core of that is like, God's actually in control. And if we had to go like, am I more comfortable giving God the benefit of the doubt that he's in control or giving my human free will benefit of the doubt? And I'm in control. I'm more comfortable giving God control. And uh, that wasn't always me, by the way, that was actually kind of a theological awakening for Hmm. me in undergrad. It it really didn't get played out that way for me as a kid. I didn't understand it that way. Um, But I, I think this idea in a reformed thinking that God, God does not see down the corridors of time. God is outside of time. He is at the like when we flip to the book of Revelation in our Bibles and we see the last days, God is there today. Like he exists everywhere all the time at all times. He's there waiting for us. So before creation hmm. was ever made, he saw Adam and Eve falling. He saw the flood. He saw the plagues of Egypt. He saw the necessity of Jesus. Um and so you know, when we go to Ephesians 2 and it says, but it's by grace, you've been saved through faith, not as a result of your work so that no one can boast. Um, th- th- when we see texts like before the foundations of the world, to me, those are all like very reformed theology kinds of texts where I go like, yeah, God. There was like an exit ramp for God before any of this started. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, It wasn't like we got to the end of the Old Testament and God's like, you know what? I need 400 years to figure this out. Like, that's not (laughs) why there's time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It was really because uh, you had this beautiful picture of a loving God that was like, out of the overflow of my character, I'm going to lovingly create... um, the universe i'm going to lovingly create images uh beings created in my image with infinite dignity value and worth and yes i know that in order for that relationship to be non-circumstantial um to not be dependent on their obedience it will take a perfect sacrifice and i myself will embody that sac- i will be mm. that sacrifice for them and uh i think there's something like the goal of uh all of this is relationship and mm. my hope is that that gives us this renewed mm-hmm. vision of what a loving relationship with God looks like, because that's what he died to provide. Mm-hmm. He didn't die to get us out of hell. He died to spend eternity with us, which mm-hmm. happens to be in heaven and eventually will be new heavens, new earth. That was great. <laughs> Thanks, man. So, I like that stuff. That's yeah, the, it's fun. The theological conversation stuff and how we inform our overall view of God is so tremendously beneficial. Mm-hmm. and, you know, in in Arminian theology, there's this idea that like, it kind of depends on me and I can lose my salvation and what happens if I do this, this or this. Um, But when I go to like the book of Philippians and it says the work that he started in us, he'll be faithful to finish until the day of Christ Jesus. It's like, oh good. So he's got this? Like, oh, thank you, (laughs) Jesus. You know, And um, I just think there's something about that that's so beautiful to say, hey, you know what? There's going to be really hard times. And like, we've all experienced them. There's going to be really hard times, but like God is not insensitive to our needs. Uh, you know, Book of Hebrews, he, uh, he is a high priest who can relate to us unlike any high priest could have in the Old Testament. He's suffered and endured temptation just like we have. And he did all of it out of love and he did all of it in perfection and we get to have a relationship with him now.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you say that stuff, you can use big words and sound super smart. <laughs> <laughs> so I use, uh, what is it called? Grammarly?
0: Do you Mm -hmm. use this? Mm -hmm. I've heard of it. It's really helpful. It's like an AI editor basically. Uh
2: And so you can, it's just all the time running. So I use Google docs for everything, but it can run on stuff on your computer. And then it gives you a report every week. And I don't think, oh, I'm using big words. I genuinely don't. Um, But every week that like gives you a rating of different things. And most weeks it's like, you use more unique words than... 99% 99% of
0: Grammarly <laughs> users and I was like
1: that's probably not good that's I re- why
0: I won't use it because it'll it, be like are you okay do you need to go back to high school
1: <laughs> just set it on like the elementary education <laughs> yeah, level setting that I'm I am smarter grade. than a fourth grader. smart I am yes that's funny <laughs> well thanks Phil um we got a lot of stuff going on here coming up Ooh. Uh, we have run for hope coming up soon uh, we're continuing in this Lent series heading towards Easter. So Jess, let's uh, let's talk about 1024 Movement and yeah. Run for Hope and what's going on. When is it? How can people get involved?
0: Yes. Yeah, so Run for Hope is um, our fourth annual virtual uh, run. So every mile you walk, run, or stroll. Um, I also appreciated, Phil, yeah. that you said, uh, or wait, who was?
1: Maybe it was Mark Swarner, Campus Faster Market. He said, wheel? It Roll? was. That's what yeah. it was. Yes, it was thank Mark you, Mark yeah. Swarner.
0: I just appreciate the inclusivity there. Me so too. anyways, um, Mental Church will donate $15 per mile up to $75,000 uh, to local partners who care for those impacted by the mental health crisis in the Bay Area, and that's March 24th to 26th. So we're partnering with... Um, Five local nonprofit organizations cool. um, who care for those impacted by the mental health crisis. So, um, it's if you go to menlo.church slash Run for Hope, you can learn about all mm-hmm. of those. We played a really great video mm-hmm. this last Sunday. Um, it was so good. And there's a full one yeah. on our website uh, on YouTube. Um, YouTube dot. Yep. Shout out Kelsey. She Church. was.
1: She shared her story in that video. Yeah, yeah, just
0: about mental health. I mean, I had a similar situation. I went through, started therapy. the pandemic because it just like everything was horrible (laughs) and i just needed to do that so um they also interviewed um tara who Mm -hmm. works for the 1024 movement and goes to our um sanctuary she also comes on sunday mornings as well sometimes she's awesome and uh mark and i are actually going to interview her later this week so we'll have a special uh excuse me episode out that talks just about the 1020 1024 movement specifically um it's a really cool community of people um who help equip support train and provide community and mentorship to young people in order to um unleash agents of hope in individuals communities across the country awesome. um so they help people with anxiety depression and suicidal thoughts and the statistics on how many like youth and young people i mean a lot of us really but especially youth struggle with all of those things is astronomically high and so this is a really cool organization that really helps with that. Mm-hmm.
2: When well, I would just say, if uh, if over the course of COVID, you were like, man, I was really careful about putting on a mask or early on, I like let my Amazon packages sit outside for several days before yep. I Because t- it was like, well, I just want to be careful. Let me just say that the percentage of people that would get severely ill or die was massively important, but that percentage was so much smaller than the percentages that we're talking about right now. Yeah, uh, totally. That if if we really understood the crisis that mental health is in America, we would be we would be functioning at a peak COVID level to address it. Yeah, but it's so mm-hmm. invisible. Like mm-hmm. people um, people put on these masks all the time, and unfortunately. When uh, usually when crisis strikes or God forbid someone takes their life, uh, usually one of the narratives that you hear from people is I never knew. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we can normalize care, the more we can raise awareness to this, the more we can help organizations that are, I think this is going to have to become a massively important part of Menlo's future, if we're really going to be for the Bay, mm-hmm. uh, for Christians and non-Christians alike, even if somebody's not following Jesus, I'm like, let's just keep them alive. Like, yeah. let's just help make sure that they know that they are needed, known, and valuable. Uh, The idea of desperation that depression and anxiety and suicidality can bring you to is, uh if, if you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if that's for me, I'm just telling you, Uh, If you understood it in the percentages and statistics that we're talking about, we're not talking about single digit. We're talking about one in four uh, young Uh adults, one in five teenagers during the, um, during the peak of COVID uh, contemplated suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, just think about that for a second and understand that didn't just go away. That came from somewhere. And it still needs care. So Mm -hmm. shout out to you, Mental
1: Church, for doing something
0: about it. Yeah, I'm super grateful that we have this opportunity to go on a walk Mm -hmm. and support mental health.
1: Yep. And we have an online dream team team that you can be a part of. We already have, I want to say, eight people that are signed up to walk. Let's make it the biggest and best team. Yes.
0: Well, it's already the best.
1: I almost. Do it. Do it. Do it, Mark. Do it. Do it. Do it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I will think of some metric, whether it is a mile or half a mile for each person that signs up. I will personally do that, up to fifty miles.
0: Oh, okay. So join the online team.
1: I'll cap it a marathon.
0: Okay, you just set of up walking to 50 for the weekend. Miles. You just set up to fifty miles. I know, you can't I do. back
1: down now. Okay. 50 well, fifty miles. people better sign up. Fifty miles. It's on you now, Menlo Church. <laughs> sign up. Sign team, up. Team. Sign up
0: for the online dream team, mm, cool. and every person that signs up on the Mm-hmm. For every person that signs up on the online team, yeah, you Mark will walk a mile? mile. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Cool. Love it. <sighs> I'm gonna sign up for that team. Uh, yeah.
1: As you should. Go. Okay. And Phil, uh, you, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. We are going through some changes as Menlo Church, and you're helping us lead through that. That's um, the
2: kindest way to say that. That was very the nice.
1: first couple months here, you're yeah, tasked yeah. with with these. And one of those changes is launching a new Saratoga campus. So I thought it'd be really fun for us to sit down and chat more about that. Um, when are we, what are we going to do? When are we going to do it? Who are we going to do it with? Yeah. So Josh
2: Robertson, who uh, has been our San Jose campus pastor and will be the Sar- the new Saratoga campus pastor. Uh, he's going to sit down with Mark and I, uh, and we are going to have kind of a longer conversation about kind of hopes and dreams, what we believe for the future of this, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think there is a, a sense in which you can look at this and go like, oh man, this is a step backwards. Uh both of these campuses were in kind of a unique spot. And candidly, like we could have just kept them both going at single services and, you know, tried to just kind of manage the image of it. Uh but I think that there are some really strategic opportunities in this moment with the relaunch of a new Saratoga, not only to inject momentum from our youngest location in San Jose and probably one of our older locations at Saratoga uh, to try and bring generations together, which is, I think, really a beautiful part of Menlo. Uh, but I also think the way that we do that, uh, to be able to pioneer for what does this look like as a concept site uh, for the future? What, what does it look like to really partner with local authorities uh, and before the Bay and the Saratoga community? What does it look like for us to inject the right kind of technology from the ground up at that campus? What does hospitality look like? How do we care for students there? Uh, And so, yeah, we're just going to have a a longer conversation about those things and more. Uh, Josh is a just incredible dude. If you've mm-hmm. never had a chance to interact with yeah. him, uh, you'll be you'll be really blessed by that conversation. Um, and you'll get a chance to see the caliber. You hear from the three of us a lot, but uh, the caliber of folks that choose to make Menlo home and uh, choose to be a part of the team here. And whether you're a part of the Saratoga campus or you're thinking about being that, or maybe you're a part of a different campus at Menlo, you're online or uh, you attend a different campus. So you can just know that you're um, yeah, supporting and cheering on the team that's rolling up their sleeves. There are folks at the new Saratoge campus, literally right now, uh, working to help make mm-hmm. that launch a success. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we're going to look back five years from now, and we're going to see the new Saratoge campus as an inflection point for the future of Menlo. Um, and I think a lot of that is Josh's leadership and the team that's in place there uh, that's really excited to make a difference in that community.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So we'd encourage you to stay tuned for both of those episodes. Not exactly sure when they're coming out, but they will be within the next week or so. And for your continued prayer around all these changes, around Run for Hope, around Lent, and around leading people in our community for the Bay Area and beyond to Easter. Yeah. So, Phil, thank you so much. This was our longest episode ever.
0: Ooh, was it really? Oh, yeah. look at that. You know what, guys,
2: we're just getting more comfortable. <laughs> so people can put it on one point five. You know. Yeah. Yes, so, great. And then when they
1: talk to you in real life, they're gonna be like, "You sound so, way different. You are
2: so <laughs> slow." <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: All right. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Bye. See, yeah. See ya.